Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. to say the perfect prayer together. It's coming up on the screen. I want you to say it with me. Let's say it together. You ready? Come on. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I wanted to hear you. You sound so good. I want to tell you, you know, while, you were, while they were singing, I heard you singing. I, I was standing right back here and I could hear you singing. This prayer, we're going to digest uh, this prayer over the next seven weeks. But today as I begin, I'm going to do you the little... Uh, the little prelude before the prayer that Jesus gave. You have to understand that Jesus, when Jesus came on the scene, he was a man who had authority, but he was not authoritative. He was a man who had power, but he did not hang out with the powerful. He was a man that when he spoke, people listened. Matter of fact, in Mark 1 and 22, it says this, It says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had what? Authority. Authority. That's right, authority. Not as the teachers of the law. It's amazing that Jesus, we hear when when he's born, we hear all kinds of things about that. We we have Christmas that we celebrate uh, because of his birth. It's a fabulous time. We know a lot about that, but then, then, then really we don't really hear a whole lot about Jesus except for when he's 12 years old, how did his parents take him to Jerusalem, uh, to the temple, and, and how that they lose him. He gets lost for three days. And then after that, we hear nothing until he's 30 years of age. He's 30 years of age, and again, he's still not very well known. And he goes to a wedding with his mom. Someone's getting married. And as they're at the wedding, there's something that's devastating that happens. The friend or family member, whoever, who's provided the food and the wine for the people have run out. And it's embarrassing to run out of things like that. And so Mary goes to Jesus and said, Jesus, they run out of wine. I need you to do something. And Jesus said, well, mom, it's, you know, it's really not my time. She said, Jesus, I need you to do something. And so Jesus said, okay. He told him, said, I want you to get six pots. I want you to get these big clay pots. Fill them up with water. And I want you to fill them up with water. And when you do, just go serve them to the people. 
And so sure enough, that's what they do. They fill up these water pots and they go take them out. And sure enough, the first person that takes some of that, they said, oh, this is some of the best wine we've ever had. See, what you don't know is this. People were shocked at the best wine that come out because usually they serve the best wine first. And when people get a little tipsy, they put the cheap stuff out. (laughs) You got to read your Bible. See, that's in the Bible right there. That's exactly what they said. Yeah, that's right. I'm not making that up. And so, so they begin. So Jesus turned the water into wine. It was a miracle, his first miracle. It reminds me of the, the story that I heard of a man who was driving down the road, and he began to weave in the road, and so an officer pulled him over, and sure enough, he pulls over, and he goes up to the guy and says, Sir, said, you're weaving. Are you okay? He said, Yeah, I'm fine. He says, uh, Have you been drinking, sir? He said, Never drank a drop. He says, Well, sir, can you... Uh, can you hand me that, can, that, that little uh, package beside you, that little bag with a bottle in it? He said, sure, I sure can. And so he hands him the little bag with the bottle in it, and the officer smells it and says, sir, this is alcohol. The man said, praise the Lord, he did it again. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Do not try that. <laughs> We see this power of Jesus. Jesus had this power to turn water to wine. He had this power over evil. We see Jesus in the boat with his disciples. They're traveling across the Sea of Galilee, and they come to this little town, and on the outskirts of town, they're met by a man that's crazy, a man that's insane. I mean, the Bible says he shows up without any clothes on. He's got chains hanging off his arms. I mean, like, this is a horror story. The Bible says that this man has made his, his uh, place of dwelling in the graveyard. I mean, it's just like the worst horror story you could ever watch. And all of a sudden, he comes because he's possessed by demons. They have tried, the locals have tried to tie him up. They've tried to chain him up. That's why the chains are hanging from him. But he, he has this power to break them. And everybody's scared of him. He's been terrorizing the whole village. And Jesus comes up. And as soon as he sees Jesus, he said, oh, don't torture me. The demons scream out. And Jesus cast the demons out of him. The Bible says that that man left that day and went home to his family clothed, hallelujah. Thank God he didn't walk across the town naked again. Okay, never mind. Clothed and in his right mind because Jesus had power over evil. Jesus had power of compassion, a supernatural power. Again, there was, a, there was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. That means that while she was in the bedroom, these people come barging in and drug her out of the bed and took her and threw her in the streets at the feet of Jesus. And there she was. And the people of religious leaders that day had stones in her hand. They said, Jesus, the law says, the Old Testament says, we must stone her. What do you say? And Jesus didn't say a whole lot. So they said, well, let's kill her, boys. And right before they did, Jesus just bent over. And he began to write some things in the sand. And you know what I believe Jesus began to write? He began to write some of their girlfriend's names in the sand. <laughs> just just got to read the Bible, man. I'm telling you, you got to read it. And he began to write. And so whatever he wrote in the sand, all of a sudden, one by one, said, oh, boy, I got to go home. They dropped their stones one by one and went away. And Jesus looked at that lady and said, listen. Neither do I condemn you, but go and leave your life of sin. Jesus said, I accept you without giving approval to your lifestyle. And so I want you to know that Jesus had compassion. 
Jesus hated funerals. He hated them. You know, in heaven there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying, or pain. But he hated funerals. We see this because there was a man by the name of Jairus that come running to Jesus one day, and he said, Jesus, my daughter has died. Will you please come? And so Jesus, not in a big hurry, walks in. He begins to walk toward the man's house, and before they get there, he sees that their professional mourners have gotten there. People are crying and wailing. I mean, they're sobbing, and they're playing the funeral music, and, and Jesus said, hey, what's all this commotion going on? She's going to be all right. They said, no, she's dead. He said, no, she's going to be all right. And so Jesus walked in with the father, and he reaches down, he grabs the little girl by the hand, and he just touches her hand. And as soon as he touches her hand, life-giving power goes through his, through his hand, and she comes to life. And Jesus hands the daughter back to the father, alive and well. Another scenario that happened is that in, in their custom, in the Middle Eastern custom, there was, of course, there was no automobiles back then. You know, in our custom today, like if there's a funeral procession going by, in our custom, especially in the South, we show a little respect by pulling our cars over to the side of the road while the procession goes by. Well, in Jesus' day, the, the custom was this, is that if you saw people carrying a body and a lot of people going by, they actually walked, and you saw a procession going by, is that you didn't just pull over, you know, you didn't just get beside and say, okay, we're going to show some respect. No, you was expected to join in to walk with them to the cemetery. And so when Jesus saw this, this uh, woman coming by crying because her son, who was a grown man, had died, and he was the only one that could provide for their family, had died, and she was mourning, and she was weeping, and, and Jesus joined in. But when he joined in, he went to where the casket was and said, stop. And they stopped, and as soon as they laid the casket down, they raised the lid, and Jesus reaches over again, and he takes that boy, that boy that's been dead for some time, and he just takes him by the hand, and that grown man begins to sense life go through his body. He began to move his arms. He began to move his legs, and he got up out of that casket and walked home with his mama. Amen? Power. I'm talking about this power. And then, of course, my favorite one of all, is that one of Jesus' friends, his closest friends, by the name of Lazarus, had died. His sisters, Mary and Martha, had sent for Jesus earlier. They said, Jesus, come. Our brother is very sick. He's going to die. And Jesus delayed his coming. And let me tell you something. You're talking about being late to a funeral. Jesus was late. The brother had been dead four days when Jesus got there. He comes walking in, and his sister said, hey, listen, if you'd been here, maybe you wouldn't have died, but he's dead now. And Jesus said, just take me to where he is. And then when he got to the tomb, let me tell you something, to show you the compassion of Jesus, when he got there, the shortest verse in the Bible says this, Jesus wept. His heart was moved that, it, that his friend had died, that, it, that his friend's sister was, was there mourning. His heart was moved. And the Bible says in Jesus' day, they actually took a tomb, they would take and cut into the rock, and, and they would make a tomb out of, out of the side of the mountain, and they would cut into the rock, and they had cut into the rock, and Lazarus' body was laid in there, and they had rolled a stone in front of it. And Jesus said, he couldn't help it, he was weeping, and he just couldn't help it, he couldn't let it be. And he said, roll the stone away. And his sisters, I, I love the KJV, the King James Version here, it says, no, Jesus, he stinketh. Now, you think that's something they say when he was alive, right? Yeah. Being a brother. Yeah. And Jesus 
said, roll the stone. And they rolled the stone away. Can't you see it? They're moving the stone. The man's been dead four days. They did not embalm him like that. They wrapped him. And so here he is wrapped up in all this cloth. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of that grave. And when he did, they did there was about a, there was about a two-minute delay. And then all of a sudden, everybody's eyes are focused on that tomb. Can't you see it? They're focused on the tomb. And then all of a sudden, here comes this man walking out here all wrapped up in, in mummy kind of clothes. Amen? Because Jesus has the power is what I want to try to tell you. He's got the power. And that same Jesus is alive today. And that's why we believers. And that's why we have hope. And that's why we pray. Amen? Amen. But what was the source of his power? That's it. What was the source of his power? That's a question that keeps ringing in our minds over and over again. How do we have this kind of power? How do we access that? And we find that in Luke's gospel, Luke 11 and 1. Look what it says. It says, one day Jesus was what? Praying. Praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you read out loud what's underlined? Ready? Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus' followers did not ask Jesus. They didn't say, Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. They didn't say, Jesus, teach me how to turn water to wine. No, they didn't say, Jesus, teach me how to raise the dead. They didn't say, Jesus, teach me how to preach in such a way that thousands come to hear you. They didn't ask any of that because they realized that there was a source of the power. You see, they didn't, ask, they didn't even ask for a phrase because back in their days, you know, they could have come up with these kind of numerical phrases like, you know, one, two, three, let it be. <laughs> or four, five, six, do it quick. Or seven, eight, nine, do it this time. Because people think that there's a formula to prayer. But Jesus began to teach them to pray. And before he gave them the Lord's Prayer, he gave them some how-to's. And that's what I want to give you this morning. And I want you to go on this journey with me the next seven weeks because God is going to do something in you. Lord. Everybody that's hearing me now, I want to tell you, it's not for me. It's not for your neighbor. It's for you. And those that are watching, it's for you. Amen. How to pray. Number one, the first thing Jesus said is pray honestly. Would you write that down? Pray honestly. Listen to what he said. Right before he gives the Lord's Prayer, he says this. And thou prayest, and when thou prayest, thou shalt be as the, not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, the reason I read that verse and that translation is because many people in this room think that the only way to pray properly is to pray with that kind of language. Verily God, I say to thee, thou art my heavenly Father, and I lovest thou, because thou art greatest. Okay. No, right. Let me just explain something to you. The King James Version of the Bible, it is the most read still today. How did we get that? The Bible was originally written, the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament primarily in Greek. So... When we have a translation, what that means is they take the Old Testament, the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, and the original Greek, and they translate it. In 1611, King James of England wanted a Bible that he could read and that the common person could read because they would have to ask people, okay, what does the Hebrew say, what does the Greek say? 
And so it was translated at that time in 1611 into the language that they spoke. It was contemporary in their day. So the reason that we have the King James as Taoist and Deist is because it was written in 1611, Romeo and Juliet day. That's what they had. So you understand that's why it's these and thou's. It's not because it's God talks that way. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I just want you to know that because when I was learning to pray, I would hear people pray like that. And I thought I had to pray like that. And when I tried to pray like it, it didn't work too well because I couldn't deist and thou'st but so much. And so I want you to know that that's a translation. So anytime you say, well, how do I know that I'm reading the right Bible? Anytime that it says translation, that means it comes from the Hebrew and it comes from the Greek. It's a translation from the original text. Amen? So let's read it again in, in the New Living Translation. Look what it says. When you pray, don't be like the who? Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. So he said, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like them. Now, the word hypocrites in the Greek, the original Greek means hypocrites, mean like an, an actor, a person who portrays to be someone they're really not. And in their day in acting, if you'll go back and, and look at some of the, uh, in like in the 1600s, even earlier than that, you would find that people, when they did acting, they would actually put a mask in front of their face. They'd have a little, a little stick, and they'd put a little mask like, like this on their face. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, do whatever a spider can. Oh, yeah. All right. Now you're awake. That's right. But see, I'm putting this mask in front of my face, and it's really keeping you from seeing who I really am. I look a little better, right? <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, man, keep that up there. It makes it better. But, but when you do that, when you, when you do it, when you got a mask in front of your face, we can't really see the real person, the real you. It's the mask. And what I want to tell you is this, is that when you try to pray like somebody that you're not, when you try to this and thou and you try to pray like me or anybody else, let me tell you something, you can't be the real you and you're being hypocritical. The way you talk to God is you say, God, this is Jeff. Now, if your name's not Jeff, don't say Jeff. But you say, this is Lord, and you talk to him like you talk to your best friend with respect, okay? And you talk to God that way. And let me say one more thing about this mask. Whenever you're living in sin, when sin is dominating your life, it's really like you got a mask on as well. Because you're not the real you. As long as you're doing things that are sinful, you know that you're living in sin and, and you're living that way, you will never be free to be you. You will be like this. We will never know who you are. It's amazing that the Bible says that when you come to Christ, that you have a new life. Amen. The old things are gone, the new has come. Why? Because you get rid of the mask. Amen. I don't know about you, but I used to do things before I became a Christian to try to, to, try to fit in with everybody else. It, wouldn't, it wasn't who I was. It was who I was trying to be to fit in with everybody else. And I, kept, I could never be myself because I was trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be. And I was wearing a mask. But when Jesus came into my life, and I learned to be who I am in him. Amen. And that, listen, I can only be me. Listen, I quit trying to be what I thought everybody else wanted me to be because I can't be that. I can only be me in him, and this is what you get. And if you don't like it, you got to talk to him about it because he made me this way. Amen. Right? Amen. And if I don't like you, like you, i got to talk to God because he made you that way, right? Amen. 
And so we are who we are in Christ. Take the mask off. And the only way to take the mask off is has Jesus Christ come inside of you and let you be born again. What does that mean? It means he makes you who you were created to be. You will never be free living in sin, but in Jesus, in him, you'll be free and you'll know life. You'll know it to the full of life. Amen? Amen. So today, listen, today, if you're in this room or you're watching, today's the day that you make that decision. I'm going to take the mask off. I'm tired of trying to be what I think all my friends want me to be or anybody else wants me to be. I'm going to be who Jesus wants me to be. And you would do that this way. The way the mask comes off is with a prayer. You say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, let me live a life that you want me to live. And Lord, forgive my sins and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Save me. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand for all those that just said that prayer? If you're in the room and you said the prayer, there's a connection card that you got. Just check the box and put it in the bucket on the way out. And I hope all of you are filling out that connection card, by the way. Please do that. Drop it in the bucket so we can pray over you. And also, if you're online watching, you can text the number, following Christ, following the words, following Christ to the number on the screen. And we just want to pray with you. The second thing, how to pray. The second thing is this, is find a private place to talk to God. Jesus said this, not Jeff. Listen to what Jesus said. But when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room, and what's those next three words? Let's say them. You ready? Come on, everybody. Close the door. That means privacy. Got to have privacy. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. In other words, it seems like you're going to be talking to air walls, Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever found yourself praying thinking, is anybody listening here? You ever go praying, God, I don't see anybody. He said that he's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, would you read these last part? Let's read it out loud. Ready? Come on. Here we go. Will reward you. Isn't that amazing? When you think that you're doing nothing but beating air with your gums, the Holy Spirit said, I'm, God's, God's listening and God's working and God's going to reward. Amen. He rewards those that pray. I want you to know that when I first became a Christian, I was a teenager, and the only Bible that I had was a KJV. And I read this verse right here, and it didn't say, go close the door. It said, go into your closet. Well, that was a problem for me because, again, we had a big family and a little house. And so I shared a room with my brother. I didn't just share a room. Some of this is going to freak some of you young people out. I didn't just share a room. I had to share a bed with him. I mean, that's the way it was with us. We had to share beds. And we had a little bed, bitty bedroom, and it had about like a six-by-three closet. And so it was big enough to put a hamper in there. We put all of our dirty clothes in this hamper, and there was a little bar, a bar up here that we hung clothes on. And so the Bible said, go to the closet. And I wanted to obey God, so you know what? When my brother went to sleep, he's younger than me, I'd sneak out, I'd go into bed, bed, and I'd climb into our closet, and I'd climb over that hamper, and I'd be in that stinky closet because we were boys and our clothes smelled. There was dirty underwear in there. There's all kinds of stuff. It was bad. And I'd go in that dirty closet, and I'd think, okay, God, I got to pray now, Lord. And God, I hope you can get the message through all this. And it was hard to focus when I was in that closet because it smelled so bad, all right? But what I want you to know is that you don't have to take it that literal, but find you a place, amen, find you a place to pray. I would challenge you. So many people in our culture, they say, well, I pray while I'm driving. 
I understand that. If you drive around here and you drive on 75, 285, you better pray, amen? You need to be a person of prayer. Hallelujah. Right? So, but what I would say, that's wonderful. But I want to challenge you to go a little deeper through this series. I want to challenge you to have a private place to pray. You can, you know, pray in your car is perfect if you do this. When you get in your car and sit down before you go anywhere, why don't you just take two minutes before you go anywhere, turn your phone off for two minutes, and you say, God, I'm here just to talk to you, and I've got to have you today, and I need you. This is going on in my life, and I need you to intervene, God. And I want to tell you, just those two minutes will revolutionize your life. It'll change your day. And it's amazing how God will part traffic sometimes just for you. That ought to be enough motivation to pray right there. Hallelujah. But God will do the supernatural. See, I want to tell you, say, you know what? Well, God God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, have you stopped? And you went to that private place. You say, God, you know, you're more important that I meet with than anybody else. And I want to tell you something. Hey, if, you're meeting, if you're meeting with world leaders, they're not as important as God, as God is, amen? Or any actor, anybody, any famous person. There's nobody that I know that's more important than God, and every day he invites you to come in and have a moment with him that he might tune up your heart and tune up your soul and provide for you what you need if you'll just take a moment to be with him, amen? It's prayer. You see, let me tell you this. Why? Because power always follows prayer. It's always, it's prayer first, then power. It's prayer first, then miracle. It's prayer first, then, then my marriage is saved. It's prayer first, then my finances are fixed. It's prayer first, and then my body is healed. It's prayer first, then my children come home. It's prayer first that God straightens out my family. It's prayer first that God heals my parents. It's prayer first. You pray, and then God moves, amen? It's, it's prayer first. And I know we're so reactive, and we, it's all up to us, but it's prayer first. Look what the Scripture says. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a what? He's a what? He's a what? He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. That means that he takes notice and he blesses that and he honors it. He's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And I'm talking to you. You've got to amp up your game a little bit through this season of spiritual growth because God wants to show up and show out. But he's got to get you ready. Amen? Amen. He's got to get you ready. So I want to ask you to do this with me is I want you to pick a place. I want you to go ahead and think about it in your mind. Where is it going to be? At least two to, two to three minutes that you're going to, this is your time with God. And you just start small. and If it grows, that's fine. But you start there. Why am I saying this? Because, listen, getting the information from the Bible is theology. It learns, you know, it's theology. It's learning, changing our thinking and so forth about God. But I want to tell you, the power comes with neology. Come on, it, you, I want you to have all the theology. I want you to know the truth. But let me tell you something. You can know the truth, but when you get on your knees and you get neology, you engage the power of God, and it changes everything. Amen? If we want our world to change, we got to get on our knees again. If we want our family to change, we get on our knees again. This country was birthed on our knees, and it'll only get better on our knees, and we have to learn to call out to Almighty God to do what we cannot do. Amen? Amen. 
We're in a mess and we need God. Number three, believe God anxiously. Everybody say anxiously. Anxiously. Believe God anxiously awaits your prayers. Oh my goodness. Jesus said this, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. That's why you guys come to this service. You know, I got another one coming and I just can't but talk for so long, right? I got you. I know. He said, don't keep on babbling like like the, the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. God, let me say this. Jesus is saying God didn't have to be annoyed to answer your prayer. God doesn't have to be harassed to answer your prayer, and God doesn't have to be sweet-talked to answer your prayer. God is more anxious to answer your prayer than you are to pray your prayer. Did you hear that? He's more anxious. Look what the Bible says. 1 Peter 3 and 12 says this. For the eyes of the Lord are on who? You know who the righteous are? Anybody that's saved by Jesus Christ is a righteous. Whether you feel righteous or not, you are righteous in Jesus. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and look at this, and his ears are what? Oh, they're attentive. They're attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Oh, have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, it doesn't do you any good to talk to them because this person has their ear. You ever heard that statement? Meaning that, you know, it means that they got it. In other words, they have all the influence with them. And so they got their ear. I want to tell you something today. You got God's ear. You got, you got God's. You know that all hell trembles when you begin to pray. Do you, do you know that the devil gets scared when you start praying? That's why he tries to help you stay so busy that you won't take the time to pray. But when you take those moments to stop, all of a sudden the Bible says that God Almighty leans down and puts his hand behind his ear and says, that's my child right there. And whether you feel spiritual or not, it doesn't matter. The moment that you say, dear God, the Father says, yes, I hear you. Amen. You've got his ear. You've got the ear of God. Whether you feel like he's listening or not, he's always listening to you. You've got his ear. How does that make you feel to know that you've got the ear of God? That he hears your every prayer. He's every one of them. You pray, he hears. And he rewards those who pray. He rewards you. He's, you got his ear in this book. I, listen, this book is not a bunch of just scriptures quoted. It's stories and things of real life, things that happen to people as well as teaching you. There's a man by the name of Tim that's in this book told me this story. He gave me permission to tell it and write it. Tim told me that, that he, was, uh, he had a problem with alcohol about 15 years ago, really bad. He struggled with it for years. He said, man, I, it just it had its grip on me and, and I just couldn't help myself. He said, one day, he went on his job site. He drove heavy equipment. He said, I went went and I said, God, you got to help me, Jesus. You got to help me because I I just can't help myself. And it's destroying my family. It's killing me. And I'm going to die. He said he got into his heavy equipment after just praying that prayer like that to God. Got in his bulldozer and began to work. And all of a sudden, he's seen a a white truck go by a job site. And had an emblem on it. It was was a uh, county inspector. And he realized that they did not have the permit on their job site. And so he was scared. He said, oh, no, I, they're going to come and kick me off this job site, and I'm not going to have a job, and I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. He said, I said, God, help me. And sure enough, the next day, that truck come by again. It slowed down again, and it looked in, and he's like, oh, no, they need to get the permit up. 
three days, this third day, that guy truck come by to stop, backed up and pulled into the job site. He got off his bulldozer and went down to where the man was and, and the man said, you're the one. He said, what do you mean? He said, you know, they're going to bring a permit. He said, no, you're the one. He said, I've been driving by this area for the last three days. And every time I go to drive by, God said, that man in that bulldozer is, a, is an alcoholic and he needs help and you need to stop and help him. He said, so today I drove up and said, you must be the one that God said you're an alcoholic and you need help to get over alcohol. He said, I'm it. He said, God, he said, God has called me to come by here and tell you that your future is good in him and that you're going to be okay. And the man took him to church and he took him to rehab and the, today that's been 15 years ago, and the man has been free from alcohol ever since. Why? Because God hears your prayers. You say, you say, you say, Pastor, I, I've been an alcoholic. I've been doing this sin and that sin. It doesn't matter. If your heart is pure toward God, you can say any prayer you want to say, and the Father hears you. And just like he sent that man that he did not know to stop and talk to him, God's got your number as well. He knows where you live, and he's going to make a way where there is no way. Amen? Amen. You say, Pastor Jeff, there's six billion people on planet Earth. How can God just hear my prayer? I have no idea. All I know is this, listen, about a week or two weeks ago, I went to bed on Thursday night, and then I got up on Friday morning after it had come a big rain. I looked out in my yard, and there was over 100 ant mounds in my yard that were not there the night before I went to bed. They were this high. I'm, I'm not getting this high. And I want to tell you, I don't know who, who the general is of that ant army, but that general of that ant army said, go in there, over, over, over 7 billion of you in the Jeff's front yard, and build all these mounds. And they went to work, amen. And if the general ant can talk to all those people and hear everything they say, our Heavenly Father's got your number and your name. He knows. Hallelujah to his name. We got a big God, a good God. Amen. Would you stand up with me? You know I love you so much. Do you know I've been on my knees talking about you? Do you, do you know I've called your name down? I, I prayed for you and asked God to, to do it in you. And I'm not going to let the enemy destroy your home. And we're going to stand together, amen. We're going to grow spiritually. God's got his hand on you. Let me, let me tell you something. I pray this prayer over you every day. It's the blessing. With everything in me, I want you to go up. I want you to be healed, delivered, and set free. And so this is the prayer I pray. Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them. Be gracious to them, oh God. Lord, turn your face toward them. And God, in this chaotic world that's going crazy right now, would you just give them peace, oh God? That's my prayer. And today, to kick off this prayer series, perfect prayer, I'm going to ask our worship team to come and sing this song. It's called The Blessing. And I want you to receive it over you and your children and your children's children. You say, Pastor Jeff, I don't even have any children yet. That's right. We're praying over the ones that's going to come your way. Amen? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.